Hello, everybody. Crypto traders around the world. We're back with another episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net, a.k.a. Basic Cryptonomics. Thank you for joining here today. My name is Leister. I'm your host. We've got a couple topics I want to go through. First, let's get the particulars out of the way, and then we'll jump right into this. Once again, that site is CryptoTalkRadio.net. That's where you're going to find all of our past, present, and future podcast episodes. The podcast is on all major podcasting platforms as well. Feel free to check that out. Let us know what you think. Link at the top says contact. Click that. Fill out the form. Come straight in. We read each and every one of those. We appreciate hearing feedback from our listeners, whether you're a subscriber or not. We would appreciate your subscription if you're a first-time listener. We again welcome you here. We think you're going to find it's completely different from any other crypto podcast that's out there. And hopefully you get great enrichment to the point that you feel like you want to spread the word out there. The last thing I'll call out is our triad membership. The triad is where we are trying to build a community of serious investors, not the kids that say the word Jeet and say the word Keck and can't half read. We're talking serious investors that believe there's something to this cryptocurrency thing and they want to talk to other grown adults, other serious people. Get away from the toxicity. Check it out on the site. Click on triad. It'll tell you about our different tiers for joining the full on triad. If you still have questions, you can join us in our discord channel. CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Discord will take you straight there. And anybody will be happy to answer any questions you may have. Given that, let's go ahead and jump right into our content for today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a car. It's out there in the garage. Showed up earlier today. Showed up while I was on a conference call, which really pisses me off. But I got a car. It's out there. I, I did some trips around the block. I went to the bank withdrew an obscene amount of cash just because I, I've been stacking cash, by the way, tinfoil me all you care to. I've been stacking cash. I put it in a safe, the majority, and then I kept uh, cash in the wallet for multiple denominations. I, I can't get 50s, and I don't know what the hell's going on, but none of the ATMs are carrying $50 bills, and I don't know what the, what almost cussed. I don't know what's going on with this. Bank of America's is kind of sweet because it lets you go above $500 a day, so that was sweet, but with I have to check out Wells Fargo because Chase would not let me do 50s. I went to the uh, Chime, which is at uh, Circle K, no 50s. I'm like, dude, what the hell's going on here? I used to be able to get 50s all over. Back in my day, get 50s all over the place. No 50s. So I'm going to take a trip to Wells Fargo. I kind of remember where the hell it is. I know it's on this street. I got to find it. Check Wells Fargo, see if they got 50s for me because I want 50s. I want every denomination other than ones. But I realized something, you know, and maybe it's the inflation, maybe it's my age. I don't know what the hell's going on, but I noticed something. No matter how much cash I'm holding, I don't feel like when I was working, so this is when I turned 18. I started working full-time. I've never worked a part-time job. Worked full-time, fresh out of high school because I had familial issues. So I worked a job and I would get my first check. And back then I, I didn't believe in bank accounts at first. And so I would take the check and I would go down to Money Tree and get it cashed straight over or Union Bank when Union Bank was a thing in California because the bank, the uh, check was drawn on. See, back then, direct deposit, like in, in my first job, it wasn't even an option, if I recall. Later, it became an option, but it was like, yeah, if you want to do it here, sure. Do, do, do. And then later, it became, you got to do it or you're just not getting paid, which is BS. But for the first job, you, you got a physical check. So I would take it to get cashed either to the bank or to money tree. And then I would have the cash in hand, man. I felt rich. I would take my money and I would iron it and I would clean it and then cologne it. 
I'm telling you, my bills came out fresh and clean every time. And I, I, I'm tempted. I'm actually tempted to do it again. Problem is my ironing board's in a box ready to ship or I would do it. But now it's like I'm withdrawing all this money and I'm carrying a lot of money. And I'm like, dude, I just don't feel rich at all. I don't feel like I got very much money and I don't know what the hell is going to. So then I have money. I, I said before, I got money like three accounts. And then I got another two checks coming. Well, one check's coming for sure tomorrow. And then the other one I'm due, I got to follow up that idiot. So then that's thousands, thousands and thousands of dollars coming, flowing. Plus I got all the money that's sitting in cryptocurrency. I still don't feel like I'm ahead of it, man. And, you know, I just dropped bones on a car. It's paid off. I didn't finance the damn thing. So I was like, screw this. So I've dropped bones on the car. It's all paid for. Pay cash. Like Uncle Elroy on next Friday. Pay cash, paid off. And I still don't feel wealthy. Like, and I don't know what the hell's all about this. I was looking earlier because I was like, okay, maybe I should trade this car on a different car that I really want because this one's okay. It's nothing wrong with it other than it doesn't have the features I really want. And I thought about trading up to a car that I really would like. Problem is I'm not going to do that in Nevada because the cars are, there's like no inventory. But meanwhile, I'm looking at the prices and I'm like, okay, that's not that much. That's not that much money. That's not that much money. And I know other people look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, man, that's a lot of money. To me, it does. It just, I don't feel rich. I don't feel wealthy. I know I'm comfortable. I'm well off. Like the new place is completely paid for. End to end. The current one's paid for. Got to pay a couple small bills. I've already sorted out internet and all this. So in terms of, it just doesn't feel, and holding cash, it doesn't feel like I have any wealth. And I want to change that. I want to work on it. I was hoping crypto would help me with that. And it's let me down. But today's update, I'm going to be digging into that a little bit more. Because I think it's important. Because there could be the good things coming, right? Hopefully, everybody out there is wishing good for Leicester, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net to finally feel wealthy, finally feel rich. Not because the money itself matters, but let's be honest here. When you have to pay 15 or 10 to $15 for a pack of bacon, you know things are rough, and we got to get some more money in that pocket. So let's get into some crypto. Let's see what we can do to fix this dilemma that I'm in. Price movement. You've noticed green. You've seen a lot of green. Ethereum is trending up in the $1,400 range. It peaked about $1,430 a little bit earlier. About $1,400 range. I'll tell you what happened. Roughly sometime this morning, and based on the time slot, I'm thinking it was the United States market. Sometime this morning, some very rich people dumped a lot of money into cryptocurrency. I believe they dumped it into Bitcoin based on what I'm seeing. Bitcoin went on a run-up as well. As a result, it got as high as $19,000. Remember, this was going down to like 12000 And I said that I estimated roughly about ten is its bottom. Currently hovering about eighteen eight, which is really, really good. But when I zoom out to my month chart, once again, I told, I told you, if I look at the month chart and I see more red than green, it usually tells me that things are still not out of the woods. The green sustained for a couple days, so it's looking good for a couple days. I'm not saying all's doom and gloom, but it's trending back downward after this initial, which means that we still have a little bit to go, some more to flesh out before we get past this quandary that we're in, but we're doing the right things. And hopefully these rich unknown people will continue to dump more money in cryptocurrency to trigger more of this. We also have an update about short traders. Short traders suffer 200 million in losses. Why did they suffer losses? Because they were shorting the cryptocurrency they were expecting 
the crypto to continue to go down. And so they're basically gambling that the crypto would go down. And instead, it goes the opposite direction. When it goes the opposite direction, they get, quote, wrecked. They're not smart enough to do their stop losses and their stop markets. So to break down what happens when this occurs, you're because you're gambling, something goes down and it goes up. And if you don't stop it, and this is greed-driven, you're going to get taken and they're going to liquidate. And we haven't seen this much liquidation in a very long time. Months, actually. There was a lot of liquidation. This means that people, these people, were expecting things to continue to go down. Now, this is good. Although there were liquidations involved, it's good. Because what it does is it puts us and positions us potentially for that run-up. Because we needed to get a lot of this out of there. We needed to get a lot of the people who were essentially shorting the cryptocurrency and it starts to become this tug of war between those that want it to go down and those that need it to go up. And what this tells me is that the people who needed it to go up beat the ones who wanted it to go down. What I was saying before is we don't know how long that lasts because there's only so much money. You might still have people who create downward pressure. And if that happens, then you're going to have some issues in the long run. Time will tell where we go. But to put in perspective why I think this is pretty much a really good thing. Previously in the prediction on the graphs and the graph movement, I was saying that Ethereum looks like it's going to be the one that's going to bounce back stronger. I maintain this, but also it started to stabilize in the middle of the year. So when you look at the graph, you can tell from basically previous years, previous months, when you look at graph behavior and momentum, direction, velocity, how much volatility we can then predict what we expect to happen in the next period that's similar to the previous. And then we also see all these events that are basically annual scheduled events. And we see the, the impact of those events on cryptocurrency past and present. Well, here's what I noticed. All of a sudden, Ethereum and Bitcoin started looking really good in the first half of the year. And then all of a sudden, Bitcoin started to look like crap and continues to look like crap in the middle parts of the year. Where is that coming from? This pump that we're seeing right now with Bitcoin, and the reason I think it's Bitcoin that's originating the vast majority is that the pump from Bitcoin might simply be people that are trying to get the shorts out of there, pump it up to a point, trigger a FOMO run that's expected to fail. Because consider that you got people that might be sitting on it, sitting on bags, roughly around the, say, 20,000 mark. And these people, some of them are going to want to dump out for whatever reason. Maybe they need the money. Remember, we had people during the pandemic who were struggling, right? So it could be that, could be liquidation of assets from some of these sketchy organizations like an FTX. There's all these sources of potential sell-off. That's what's driving the estimation that there's going to be some sales at some point in the near future, roughly around the middle of the year, and that's after the initial run-up. If that happens, from what I can tell, it looks like Bitcoin's going to get the brunt of it. That, that makes perfect sense to me because Bitcoin is the go-to. Bitcoin is where everybody goes first. Ethereum looks like it's going to have a little bit of turmoil, but nowhere near what Bitcoin's going to have. Bitcoin, excuse me, Ethereum is not going to make you rich in the short term. I don't see it will. I do see that based on the way Ethereum's built, based on the increased confidence in Ethereum as a token, plus its smart contracts, plus all of the messaging coming from the idiot Vitalik and everything else, as well as all the other tokens that are out there that use Ethereum as its liquidity, because that's also consideration. When you see other projects that are paired to Ethereum 
and they start running up, the FOMO effect is multiplied. It's multiplicative. You've got Ethereum itself. You've got the tokens paired with Ethereum. And many of those have very strong communities. SHIB being probably top of that list, but there are many others. Those are also going to trigger some FOMO impacts positive on Ethereum. That also plays into factor to Ethereum's favor. And the reason I said that Ethereum feels like it's the stronger long-term. Bitcoin, remember, is not a liquidity-based token. It doesn't do anything. It's just out there free market. Bitcoin, unfortunately, though, still remains some of the backing asset behind a lot of this stuff. So the failure of Bitcoin is going to affect Ethereum. But if Ethereum is able to get enough strength as a solo cryptocurrency, it bodes well for the future. It means that we will finally decouple from it. Now, some people criticize that because they think that Ethereum is being influenced by governments. And I have no opinion about it, but it wouldn't surprise me. And some people are hesitating. They want to go back to the fundamentals in the paper, go back to Bitcoin, XRP, Monero, all these other ones that they go against the grain. The challenge is that outside the crypto bubble, people don't understand that. They don't understand what that means. And many of these other cryptocurrencies are pushed in your face. When you join a centralized exchange, which you have to do just to be able to even do a fiat off-ramp, you're pushed these mainstream, quote-unquote, cryptocurrencies. And time will tell where we go with it. I'm simply calling it out of here's what it is, here's how it works, da 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 Poof hair, Sam Bateman-Fried. He's out on, I believe he's out on, on bail or something, but he's out and he's blogging now. So first he did all these rounds on people's channels talking about all this. And I did some analysis and I said, he knows what he's saying. He's very practiced. He's actually very good at saying exactly what he wants to say and not saying the wrong thing. Well, he put out a blog and he put it out on Substack. And for those that didn't know, Crypto Talk Radio, founded CryptoTalkRadio.net, used to be on Substack. We were on Substack back in October. Substack is a free a platform for blogging, but it also hosts podcasts. It's a it's an all-in-one type service. So we're very familiar with the uh, Substack and we we get actually subscriptions from Substack, which is still weird, <laughs> you know, months after the fact. So we're aware of it, but he went up there and he wrote this up and put it out there. And essentially what he said, now he said a lot. This is a long freaking blog. Like Idiot Vitalik, he does write up a lot of blogs. He writes a lot of blogs, but geez, this one is long. Like this is something this, like nobody's going to read all this. I guarantee you nobody's going to read it. Well, you know, other than Leicester, but the point is <laughs> nobody's going to read all this. I'll try my best to summarize it because I think it's important. So you understand why I said he knows exactly what he's saying. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's actually very brilliant, even if he's an idiot. So in some, he puts a summary and I wouldn't call it a summary. I wouldn't call it that. I'm going to summarize his summary thusly. What he's basically doing is he's blaming Alameda Research for the failure, but he's saying we can recover what happened. We can recover this and get back solvency, and we can use what's available, FTX International, FTX US, and personal assets, which, by the way, he said he didn't have any of, so just saying. But he's saying that we can fix it, but at the end of the day, Alameda caused this. Then he blames CZ Binance, and he says that CZ Binance basically caused Alameda to turn toxic. So he's, he's deflecting. He's not saying what he said on the other video, which I think it was New York uh, Times or whatnot, which was, this is my fault, the buck stops with me. 
in that video, he did say that his lack of oversight shined through and he should have done a better job. My point is in this that he wrote at no point in the summary, does he take his own, you know, failure as part of this. So then he comes some, some bullets here. The bullets basically summarize what we're talking about in terms of assets and availability and the actions taken by the various FTXs where he's questioning the actions of FTX US. FTX US froze assets. He thinks that they shouldn't have. There's no reason to because they were always solvent. They never had the issue. Now, what he doesn't understand is that the reason FTX US had to freeze assets is because when FTX International or any of the FTXs were called into question during a bankruptcy filing, assets have to be frozen during the bankruptcy period in order to understand movement of money from A to B to C. So the freezing actually was appropriate in terms of FTX US. Everything has to resolve because the theory, and perhaps he organized it differently, but the theory is that FTX's umbrella, whatever the parent company is, would have had some authority over FTX's US's assets. Now, that may not have been the case. I'm saying that the assumption probably would have been, and the up would have been, okay, let's freeze everything till we figure out where everything is and what's going on. He then says uh, he didn't steal any money. He didn't stash any money away. That was reported on the news. He had money stashed off in some, you know, the Caymans or whatever, and he claims he didn't have anything there. He claims they didn't have any money anywhere else. He claims that there was nothing out there. He says that at the end of the day, the money's available in order to make things whole. And any assets that he did have was made available to make things right. And that the passwords for all this rely with the bankruptcy team, chapter 11 bankruptcy team. He claims that the FTX and Alameda were making, they were profitable and they weren't insolvent at the time. Then starts the whole three arrows capital situation and CZ Binet situation and Voyager. And he ties everything back to three arrows capital that, and CZ Binance to a lesser degree that caused Alameda to go insolvent. He said, okay, this, this is the timeline that I saw. And from what I could tell, I didn't see anything that was a problem until it was a problem. Like it, at that point, it was so far out it's so far out that I we lost track of it. Then he provides data that says the Solana situation, which is a whole other problem. I told you it's a box of nonsense. Solana situation should have been good to go, but the data I was relying on might have been inaccurate, and it is what it is. Then he talks about the crashing that happened, all the different you know crypto crash and everything that happened. He talked about the Bitcoin crashing, and it was significant. We know that. He talked about interest rates. He talked about inflation. He talked about Do Rokpul, a.k.a. Do Kwan, and killing Luna, Terra Luna. He talked about Three O's Capital. He talked about turmoil internal to Alameda. He talked about Voyager's failure, BlockFi's failure, Celsius' failure, Genesis' failure. He talked about all these different things that were a perfect storm of disruption, but he said underneath all that, underneath all this, the theory was that there were significant assets to be able to handle this but the assets themselves crashed, which caused Alameda to go and solve it. So then the question comes, well, if the assets were able to crash, that means they were not stable. He says some were stable, but apparently a low percentage were because if the vast majority were stable, and I'm talking true stable, not al algorithmic, Luna, you know, UST, 
then there should have been no way that it went extremely unstable the way he's quoting. That tells me that many of the asset types were not stabilized asset types. And they might've been types that were subject to a disruption or a failure. If it was the vast majority of Bitcoin, okay, that's a failure because you're assuming that this one that we already knew was pumping to unreasonable degree was going to crash at some point. It was a matter of time. So I, as I'm reading this, I'm like, okay, everything you're saying makes logical sense. But if what you're saying is it started with the decision on all of this different asset category and you focused on everything that wasn't stable, how can you not anticipate that something was going to go dastardly wrong? And then to blame a tweet, by the way, from CZ Binance as the cherry on the top, I'm just, I'm like, wow. So then he breaks it all down and he said, you know what? We could have, we could have done better. We could have fixed this. We could have gotten ahead of it. We could have recovered. It didn't need to get to a failure. Other people were getting in the way. Other people were causing this problem. And at the end of the day, there's still money available to make people whole. And then he's putting it to say, I should have responded faster. I should have done a little bit more. So at the very end of it, he finally says, I should have, I should have, I should have, I should have. And there's more, as we all know. The fact that he put this out, I'll, I'll bottom line it. The fact that he put this out, I I think he he's anticipating something happening to him. This is my theory. I have no evidence. But because at the bottom, he even says, quote, the DOJ moved to arrest me the night before his testimony in front of the U.S. House Financial Services Committee, preempting my testimony with an entirely different news cycle. So this was talked about on Twitter, the idea that the arrest precludes him from being able to testify in front of the House and the testimony then would not be made available. He posted the draft of what the testimony was going to be as part of this, and he sent it over to Forbes. I, I'm pretty sure he leaked it to Forbes. So it's a screenshot, and some of what he said, I don't anticipate he would say in front of, this, in front of the House. And a lot of this is very detailed, and the House, I guarantee, would not follow this. They wouldn't understand exactly what's, what's happening here. Bottom line is... I can tell that whatever happened with the DOJ and him getting arrested, whatever happened with that decision of let's just arrest the guy, I don't know where it came from. I don't know what's going on there. My point is that that decision and getting ahead of the house, like who is the one that really was pushing to get him arrested? Like, think about it. And I believe that's the Bahamas. If it's the Bahamas, what was it the Bahamas was squawking at? Why did they feel the urgency to get him in locked up? And why did nobody explain to the Bahamas, we really need this testimony. We need to understand what's going on with this guy. We need to understand what happened. And we need to hear this testimony. We need to understand what the hell this is. So I am concerned about that whole arrest prior to testimony. And the fact that the testimony was leaked, I mean, I, I read it. And, you know, some of it's a lie, I can tell you, straight up lie. There's no way. Uh, for example, quote, various claims that I created a hard partying culture at FTX. Our parties are mostly dinner and board games. Come on, dude. You don't expect us to believe that. You really don't expect us to believe that. Come on, man. We know good and damn well. We know good and damn well that the, your ex-girlfriend and you do a hell of a lot more than dinner and board games. We know this. We know that to be the truth. It is what it is. 
because there was a lot more put out there that put that on front face. We know more happened. Just say it. Just say, yes, but that was during personal time or whatever the hell it is. Some of the stuff that he says in here, you can't back up, you can't prove, you can't disprove, so it is what it is. He talks about the numbers. He talks about the chapter 11s. He talks about the different organizations. So I think it's an intriguing read. If you want to check it out, just check, just do a search for Sam Bankman Freed Forbes testimony, and you'll get a hit, I'm sure, with the image. And it is an image. It's not a document. It's just an image on their page. But it's good to check it out and just be aware of what he's saying. Just understand it's dry. It's very dry. It's boring. I'll tell you that's boring. And some of it may be hard to follow. Bottom line. So big picture now. I'm getting away from poof hair. I'm tired of talking to him. Big picture. One note I want to say. Lillian Finance. And I hate talking about him again. Lillian Finance recently made a very bad decision. And of course, they made plenty of bad decisions. But this is this is the worst of it. So I did coverage on Lillian Finance on the YouTube channel multiple times. And I've told people multiple times. I'm I, I'm highly skeptical they're going to get on any Coinbase listing. It doesn't make sense. Tokenomics don't make sense. I'd be highly shocked if they ever did. And I covered what happened with Coinbase's response. And unfortunately, Leaves, who's been on the show before, he got pulled in it because he has talked about Lillian Finance and he's echoed his support for Lillian Finance and what they do. The unfortunate truth is I said that the guy I referred to as Bald Russ, whose name's Luis, I believe it is. I pinned it on him and his shill hype nonsense of creating pump and dump tendencies with the, with the token. And I made the analogy, and I believe I paired Lillian Finance to Boardwalk and Luna Classic to Park Place or vice versa. And some people might be curious, well, how can that be true? If you know the game Monopoly, there's two things that happen. Either you own the property or you don't. If you don't, you're paying somebody else when you land on it. Or if you if you do, you know, if you or if you don't, yeah, if you don't, if you don't. You're paying somebody else if you land on it, they own it. If you do, nothing happens to you, but you get paid if other people land on it. I talked about this on my Monopoly uh, episode about passives. It It's still, the analogy is still true. It's just that somebody else basically is, you're paying somebody else in terms of lost value because what happened is they dumped off a bunch of the tokens. They sold native tokens. And they probably, I'll be honest, they probably have a reason that they're selling the native tokens. They're planning to move to a V2, which I think is a terrible mistake. I believe they have no choice. And here's the irony, Volt Inu. Volt Inu was in a similar situation. They had way too much freaking inventory and they went to a V2. They had no choice. They had to go and get away from the extensive inventory. It wasn't going to help them. Volt Inu is on a lot of exchanges. So it helped them. It helped them to fix the tokenomics. And it still has reflections and I believe it still has a burn. So most of the core, refle- most of the core mechanics are still in place and that's great. But at the end of the day, you know, Lillian Finance, I said, it's already harmed investor sentiment. You already pissed people off. So you can do that. I just don't think it's going to make much of a dent because of the damage you've done to your investors. Well, during this whole fiasco where this major dump happened, a bunch of people went in their telescam. I wasn't there. It was chatted about on social media, but they went in the telescam and they're asking, hey, what the hell's going on here? Is this a rug pull? And you got Crypto Journey, Rodney, Fudney, whatever, talking about it's a rug pull. They told took your money, whatever. Ryan Patrick, 
I'm told that he's he's minimizing his coverage and might get out of the business, but he's getting attacked because he has done coverage of them. He was on that show where, where Brad used his daughter to announce this whole thing and believes like, because Blee's lost a lot of money. He lost in the first with Del Rugpull, AKA Del Crypto. And they lost again <laughs> and they lost again. Like, it's like, dude, you know, and so he's pissed. So if he's pissed, you know, there's something weird. He stands by because he's ultimately aligned with people there. But the point is, and I'm not talking financial, I'm talking people, friends, whatever. But the point is, it's like he's pissed because he's lost money and the decisions that they're making. At the end of this, it's the decisions they're making and the way they're not communicating and what they're doing that just make it worse. And they're not listening to common sense and sanity, talking them through it. There's a way to do what you're trying to do. And I already know they're going to talk about doing a freaking airdrop. And we saw how that went with Satama. Like, it's just going to be another, I don't want to use the word, but crap storm after crap storm after crap storm, all because they refused to listen to conservative voice telling them, here's the right way to do this. You already done effed up. Here's how we get back on track. And, you know, they won't talk to me, and that's cool. Anybody that's listening to my show, if you are in, if you are interested in, if you are observing Lillian Finance, I can't tell you what to do. I honestly cannot do. All I can tell you is this is something I said was going to happen because investor sentiment has been harmed. And as we learn from many projects, it's hard to get that back. More importantly, any uh, all V2s, pretty much every V2, none of them have succeeded. I would call it success. Volt might, some of them might, but the vast majority, they haven't succeeded. They, they flounder a little bit, certainly for the short term. So even if they do go, to a V2, what have you solved? Nothing really. You're, you're just trying to run from the smoke, but you haven't solved the underlying issues. That's my thoughts about them. And I don't have any respect for anybody on that team. I don't care what the, almost cussed, what the heck they're talking about. I have no respect for them. I have no respect for them because he literally used his daughter to announce it, which is, which is no, 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 no. <laughs> and then bald Russ out there, Lillian Air and all this crap. no. So you got child exploitation, you got lies, misrepresentations, banning people and kicking people from the telescam, ducking the smoke, lying about a Coinbase listing, lying about other tier one listings, and then liquidity issues back and forth. And at no point do you own it. Now, apparently they did some shift of staff around to get different people to do different parts of projects. I don't think it's going to fix anything because bottom line, they haven't, they haven't reconciled that they need to get the right people in there to help them do this right. And they're not going to. I'm told that they do not want to. They don't want to help have that help. They think they can do it. So I have a saying, I use it in the business side, my endeavors. Sometimes a kid has to burn their finger to no fire hurts. And that's where Lily is at. So I can't tell you what to do with your money. I'm simply going to tell you that it is like Boardwalker Park Place, assuming somebody took it, they, they own it, and they put like 16 hotels on the damn thing. And if you know Monopoly, you know that's not a good thing. But that's what Lily is. It's somewhere you don't want to land uh, now. And I don't know what the future holds for that project. And I'm sorry if anybody was even tempted to take a look at it and they saw the fiasco that's happening because it's the absolute worst of cryptocurrency that you can imagine. And then good people are getting wrecked and other people's reputations are getting wrecked because of these idiots. And they won't ask for help and just be humble and calm down and say, you know what? We're in over our freaking heads, just like the cult leader in over our freaking heads. And we don't know what to do and we need some help. So 
Hopefully you're staying safe. Hopefully you're investing smart and not being overly tempted by the pump. I'm not telling you not to invest anything at all. I'm saying be smart about it because Lily is a great example of how you can get trapped in something off of FOMO pumps. And then the worst happens like this. And I don't want that to happen to anybody who listens to my show. That's going to do it for today's episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. I want to thank you for listening here today. I know you have choices, whether you're a new listener or a subscriber. We appreciate each and every one of you. Check out our site, CryptoTalkRadio.net. We have a contact form, the link's at the very top. We'd love to hear from you and how we're doing and what you like or what you don't like. We read each and every one of those. Also, check out our triad. The triad is a community that we're working to build forward of strong, smart investors the ones that want to lead us into the next generation of cryptocurrency to evolve cryptocurrency into a more mature investment strategy for people, help people as they're growing and they get into this space. We don't want the ones that say the word Jeet and the ones that will say the word Kek. We want the ones that treat this as a serious thing. Join us on our journey. Until next time, take care, be safe. Please don't YOLO into projects, any project. It doesn't matter what it is. Be smart with your investments. Make sure you always keep a roof over your head, food on your table. Your family comes first. Don't get stuck in this. Our goal is to try to help keep you safe, but we're only an informing source. There are a lot of sources out there, some of which are not really looking out for you. They're looking out for themselves. So always be careful with the advice that you take and what you do with that information is up to you, but just be smart about it is all we ask. See you next episode.